0: Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Let me help you let go of the guilt, start building your skills and create your own path to a new career outside of the classroom. Welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are going to talk to one of my former fellow colleagues at Discovery Education. Lauren Benefico and I met when I worked at Discovery Education. We worked on the same team together within Customer Success. Lauren is a former seventh grade language arts teacher, and today she's here to tell us her story of Going from the classroom to the boardroom. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Carrie. Thank you. So good to hear your voice. You too. Lauren, you and I had a lot of fun. We only worked together for one year. We were on the same team. We had a lot of fun together. I'm excited to chat today about your experience, your path. So, why don't you start off with telling us just your career story?
1: Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on today. So my career story, as you said, started as a seventh grade language arts teacher. I loved teaching and I loved my kiddos. I was living in Arizona at the time and just had such a good time teaching. And then I ended up transitioning to working for some educational companies. So I worked for two educational technology companies First, I was at EverFi, and then I was with you at Discovery Education. And at both of those, I did customer success work, which, as some of your listeners might already know, was working post-sale with school districts after they started using the technologies we had. And then from there, I transitioned to a company called Galileo Learning, and I was managing a large-scale educational STEAM program in the summer. And during that role, I managed a team, I led project management, and I trained all of our teachers and staff on our pedagogy and curriculum. So super fun. And then currently, um, so I transitioned just recently to a brand new company. We do corporate training, and the company's called Habits at Work. So this is my first company, not in education at all. Our mission is to help employees master communication skills and habit skills that will help them make the most impact um, in their in their current roles. So right now my role is similar to customer success. I plan all the logistics around training. I make sure everything's running smoothly. And then I um, work to pull data to show that the program is working and that we're really affecting those employees in a great way.
0: Well, speaking of employees, you were on my team at discovery education. And I always say like you were such an incredible person to have on our team. Um, not only did I love your work and your work ethic and, and going back to like your just ability to manage so many details and prioritize and be strategic. Um, But everyone else loved working with you, too. I've talked in in previous podcasts and in the Classroom to Boardroom course about the role of, of customer success. And I talk a lot about how teachers make great customer success employees because they're so used to managing so many details and so many things. But, you know, we were kind of the air traffic controllers after mm-hmm. uh, a contract was signed. So a school district would say, we want to use Discovery Education. And then Lauren and I and our team would take over and say, OK, we got to make sure all the levers get pushed and the parts get in place so that the school district can use the programming. And so the sales team, the tech team, everyone just loved working with you, Lauren. Um, you were just such an amazing and positive and, and fun person to have on the team. Oh, thank you. And I love traveling with you, too. I know. You were always down for anything, which I loved about you. So <laughs> how did you like making when you think back on this transition, how did you know that you were ready or wanted to do something else besides teach?
1: Definitely. So when I was teaching, um, as I said, I was a middle school teacher and I ended up being tapped by my principal to become our middle school team lead. And so I did things like, you know, schedule our middle school meetings and do the agendas. And then I also started working with our district folks a lot on district initiatives. And I started training some of our other teachers. And during that time, I realized like, wow, I really like training other teachers and working with adults. I still loved my kiddos, but I was really liking that part of the strategic planning and organization and just connecting with with adults, quite frankly. And then it was also kind of timing. So I was living in Arizona. I moved back to Chicago and it was around 2013. There was so much going on in Chicago with yes. um, their strikes and I you were involved with, I think you were. Yes, I was in,
0: I was teaching at the time of that strike. It was a, it was a, there was a lot going on.
1: Uh, So yeah, it kind of allowed me to take a step back and to think, what do I really want to do? And I kind of just put myself out there and started applying to things that were education adjacent. So a lot of different curriculum companies, educational technology companies, and just seeing what was out there. And I'm so happy I did because I I do love where I am at now.
0: I'm writing down the word education adjacent. I really like that terminology. So making this move, did you ever feel guilty about leaving the classroom? And and if so, like one of my mottos is let's let go of that guilt. So if you did feel guilty, um, how did you let go of that and move past that?
1: Oh, yes, I definitely felt guilty. Yeah, it was definitely the answer to that is, I felt guilty. And I let go of it by just realizing that I, I really think my talents were a better fit elsewhere. And so I also let go of it by like, thinking about all the good things I was still doing. So since then, I've helped 1000s of teachers, become better teachers. And so that's really important to me. And now I help employees get better at their jobs and feel more confident and be their best selves. So I just try to focus on what I'm doing positively in the world and that's how I've gotten over that guilt. And just recently I actually left K-12 education completely because now my company trains employees. You know, There's no K-12 students at the end of it. So this has been a shift for me as well and I think that's okay. I, you know, I just am trying to tell myself like that it's okay to do what's best for yourself, as long as you're still putting who you are back into the world and, and hopefully helping others in some way.
0: I love that. How did you go from being a teacher to getting your first job? So you're moving from Arizona to Chicago, you probably didn't know tons and tons of people like How did you go from that teaching into your first job? How'd you find that job? Tell us a little bit about that process.
1: Definitely. So this might be controversial advice, but I did not. Everyone says network, network, network. I totally believe in networking. Yes. And I also believe in just applying to a ton of jobs. Yeah. (laughs) So I got my first job by just applying and I didn't have any connection at the company. I made sure that my resume was edited up in a way that highlighted some of my non-teaching experience and and some things that I thought were more business oriented. And that's really how I got that first job. Um, and it was a big stepping stone, a, a huge change, but I think I just got it by putting myself out there.
0: It's great advice. I, I do find that if you truly are going to make this change, you have to prioritize it and almost treat it like a part-time job in mm-hmm. some ways. And and Lauren, people who are listening to this podcast know that we opened the course classroom to boardroom. And that's one of the things that I talk to the students about is you have to prioritize this work. Find time on Saturday mornings or Sunday evenings or Wednesday afternoons, whenever. And every week, sit down and tweak that resume and apply for those jobs and take the classroom to boardroom lessons. I mean, there's so much knowledge in there um, that we're sharing out, but Mm -hmm. you do need to put the work in. The jobs aren't going to come to you. You've got to find those jobs. So I love that advice to apply and apply for things that, you know, especially women tend to do this is they look at a job description and say, well, I only have three of the five like requirements. I'm not going to apply, which is no, like if you have a couple of those, get that resume in there.
1: Definitely. Yep. I think that it's so easy to just be like, well, in any of my roles to be like, well, this is kind of going well, I I like it. But my thought is if there's something else that you want to do, you do need to really hold yourself to accountable, just like we did with our students, right? Yep. To, you know, applying to I, what I always say is like, flag jobs as they come out, and then apply to them that week, mm-hmm. you know, just things like that. And I know that your course probably has so many tips like that. But Really, you do need to dedicate the time because that's what it took for me to... I would have stayed in the classroom if I hadn't really applied to a lot of different opportunities. And then just see what stuck and see what, as I was interviewing, what I was interested in.
0: Well, and just interviewing, doing phone screens or... Zoom screens or whatever they are, just going through that process is going to help you realize, start to realize, oh, this is the kind of job I am interested in, or it's not like, it's a two way street. Yes, They're looking to hire someone, but you're also looking to, you know, is that a good fit for you?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And like, sometimes one of my things I would do, I would look at the job title and the, the role itself on paper. And I would overthink it and be like, oh, well, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Should I even apply it? It's not worth overthinking it before you even have an interview. So my suggestion is if you see a job that you're somewhat interested in, apply. Once you get the interview, you can decide if it's interesting or not at that point. Once you dig deeper, there's no point wasting time just, you know, mulling it over in your head.
0: You want to hear a little secret? (laughs) Yes. I can't believe I'm going to tell this on the podcast right now. (laughs) So... You know, I've been working on my own building E2E for three years. I'm going to be building it for a long, long time. But I decided in the process of building classroom to boardroom and talking so much about resumes and cover letters and doing resume reviews and interviewing. So there was a job that popped up on my LinkedIn this week. And it's a big, big job at a big, big company. And I'm going to apply for it. Yes. I'm going to apply for it because I want to walk the walk. Like, I have a sticker on my water bottle that we sell in our E2E Etsy shop, and it says action over words. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not applying for this job because I'm shutting E2E down and I'm going to go get a new job, but it's a huge role. And I'm just curious if I can even get the interview. And I'm curious what it would be like to go through the process of trying to get this job. It is a reach job, but I don't think it's too far of a reach. I think it's actually potentially something I could get, mm-hmm. but I thought I need to, I need to remember what that feels like again, you know? Um, and if anything, I'm going to be building relationships at a really cool company in the process. So definitely anyway, this cat's out of the bag. And by the time this is, uh, actually released, that process will probably be over. So, <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on your career so far, how do you think you have grown or changed the most professionally?
1: I would say a few ways. One, I would say I really have grown in people management. So I, uh, in my last role, I managed a team of six program directors, and they managed almost 200 staff members. So that was a great opportunity for me. And I, you know, I never really was going the principal route. So I never would have gotten there if I hadn't left teaching. So I really learned how to help people develop themselves and how to coach and those types of things, which has been so much fun for me. And then the other way I would say is just understanding different company cultures and being able to adjust my work style based on those those cultures. So I, I can give you an example if that's helpful. Yes, please do. Uh, right now, one of my customers is Subaru, probably know the car company. And another one of my customers is Google Cloud. And so Google, uh, Google Cloud team makes their you know, email, Gmail, and all the places that you store your files online. And both customers are very different in what they want mm. and in how we run our meetings. They're both great, but they're so different. And so I've learned that there's this big world out there That is, it's really exciting when I get a new customer to be able to learn about them, learn their language, their values, and then, you know, tweak what I'm doing to make sure that they're getting what they need from, from the company. So
0: let's back that up for a second. Yeah. When I think about our time working at DE together, I want to respond to both these things. One is I remember us having multiple conversations about you wanting to be a people manager. And that was a goal that you had. So I'm really proud of you for carving a path for yourself in which you were able to learn those skills and now really put those into place and into play. So congrats on on that. Thank you. (laughs) And then when you're talking about your role outside of education right now, and you're talking about two different customers, and those are both companies people know, it makes me think back to your training for being able to handle that. And it makes me think of, two very different school districts that we worked with and I don't want to say their names but I'm going to give you hints that you're going to be able to guess (laughs) one was a very large urban district okay and the other was a district that like we drove and drove and drove and drove in the middle of the state to find Okay. And it was very rural. Yes, I remember. I know. Okay. I know so like about. talk about two very different clients, right? Yes, the definitely. way their districts were run, the political landscape, the leadership landscape, like so different, right? And we had to be like chameleons and adjust even in like what we wore. Yep. To those different Meetings and one we were in like business like jackets dresses heels hair done you know like (laughs) and then in the other we were like we can't come rolling in like that because we're gonna seem like total like city yeah you know girls women (laughs) we were like we've got to tone it down a little but like we we, and it wasn't just our appearance that's an easy way to kind of like giggle and talk about it but like yes our appearance was different but even the way we approached the meetings are body language was different.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And the ideas we suggested, and even just both of those districts, their strategic plans were different based on access to technology, things like that.
0: Yes. Um, So we
1: really had to develop different plans for those districts. So yes, I totally remember both of those uh, clients you're talking about. And I do think that that helped me so much. And even back to my time when I was in the classroom, that helped me prepare for that situation because I understood the district that I had worked for really, really well. So I brought that knowledge into working with you know, new districts. And yeah, so I really think that all of those experiences have built on each other.
0: 100%. You've worked at a couple different types of companies. So we do talk about in the classroom to boardroom in the first module, I talk about from my perspective, the difference between working for like a smaller startup and then a more larger established company. So what are some of the differences you've experienced between working for a smaller company versus a larger company?
1: I mean, there's so many differences. So at this point I've worked for I would say two pretty small startups. So the the company I'm at now is only 9 people total, 9 employees. And we have big clients, but there's only nine of us. And then my first company was also more of a startup. And then the two in the middle were a little bigger. And I would say one of the biggest differences is at a small company, you're really wearing so many hats. I'm sure you all talk about this. For example, in the company I'm currently at, my role, I'm program delivery manager. So I work with clients, but I'm also helping my company with hiring new people. So I'm not in HR, but I'm doing HR stuff. I love that personally. I love being able to help the sales team with something one day, talk to my CEO about the vision for where our company's going, and then do an interview. So I love that sort of thing. At a more established company, I feel like I had a little more specific of a role, and I really liked that as well. So I think that's the biggest trade-off I see or the biggest difference.
0: Yep. It's interesting. Just I answered this question on my podcast episode, and Anya Dudak, who we both worked with, answered this question, and we had very similar answers to that. It's always fun to hear everybody's perspective.
1: Yeah, but um, I, mean, I think it's interesting because, like, we, all, like, I right now I'm at such a small company. I know Anya is at such a big company. So yes, it's it really just depends on your style, um, and then also within a big team. Sometimes it can feel like such a small team. Yes. Like at Discovery, we did have a pretty big company and we had our people within that made yeah. it feel like a home. So yes. you can't discount that either. You know, you 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 will find your your niche of people
0: and your workflows. Absolutely. So let's talk about this whole field of success or customer success or <laughs> I know you've been you've been in different departments that all kind of revolve around this. So let's talk about I personally think that customer success, partner success is a great transition role for a teacher going into a company. It's not the only one, and it's the path I took, the path you took, but I think it's a good one. So let's talk about what is your favorite part of working in partner success or customer success?
1: For me, my favorite part is really helping the people who purchase the program or service see it come to life. So I'm their first line of support. I'm their advisor. I'm like their buddy leading them through whatever program they've they've purchased. And for me, it's really fun to build those relationships out. I still keep in touch with some of the folks from the districts we worked with. And I just, I really love that. I think the second part is just the organization of it and it really reminds me so much of what I love from teaching. So I lo- I really loved lesson planning when I was a teacher. I loved organize- you know having an, a, a plan for culture for my kids, all of those things I've brought into customer success and i put that towards my my customers, my clients.
0: Well Lauren, you' you're a fantastic relationship builder. I, I remember I used to tell you this a lot. You would come in my office once a week and we would sit down and go through kind of what was going on in our book of business. And you would give me updates on anything I needed to know. And I always told you this, like, you just always seemed so confident in yourself. Like you just, you're a very self-assured person, like not, and I mean that in a very good way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Even in stressful situations, you were always so calm, cool, and collected. And I think if I had been the one that interviewed you and hired you at DE, I think your soft skills, your personality, your strengths as a who you are innately as a human being are like exactly what I was would have looked for in a candidate. And I And I give this advice often, like hard skills. Yes, there are certain things that you need to be able to do, but those are the things that someone can teach you. Mm-hmm. These soft skills... Are things that are harder to teach. So what are some of the soft skills that you think are required to work in a role of customer success? And I know we were talking before this, there's like a million different roles that there's different million different names that this role can be called. So you can you first of all tell us some of those uh role titles and then talk to us a little bit of some of the soft skills that that really help you when you work in customer success.
1: Definitely. So yeah, really this role, what you're looking for is anything that sounds like it's a post-sale support role, but that you are the main point of contact for the customer. So customer success manager, CSM, partner success manager, customer experience, or something like program delivery manager. That's my role. That's my title now. Those are the roles you want to look for. It's You're the person who's bringing the program to life. It can be called so many different things. So Definitely. And then to answer your question about soft skills, first, thank you for telling me I'm calm. Um, I (laughs) appreciate that. I will tell you that my first year of teaching, I was not very calm. So I 100% attribute that to teaching seventh graders. Once I had a little more experience in the classroom, I was really able to transfer that to my professional life and stay calm under pressure. Mm -hmm. If someone asked a tough question I'm really able to just like be zen because I remember when I had seventh graders in my classroom who were doing crazy things and how to be zen and respond in a way that's going to bring us back to where we need to be. So I think that being calm is definitely one of my soft skills. Some more, I would say, organization and managing logistics. I've always been an organizer. I am a planner. I am the one in our friend group who kind of has a slight freak out when we don't have like a, a dinner menu planned for when we're together. <laughs> i like, like, but what are we doing? Who's bringing the appetizers? So organization, logistics, for sure. You mentioned building relationships. I am definitely an extrovert. COVID has been so hard for me because my extrovertness needs to happen over Zoom mostly. And then I would say flexibility and being able to creatively solve a problem would be the ones that I think really stand out. Um, and I do agree with you that soft skills are really what I look for when I'm hiring. I want to I wanna hire someone who I can trust to take something, and they're going to just put so much effort into it and really produce something for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and having that hard, being a hard worker, I think one of the things that you touch on too, is like that flexibility and creativity that help you problem solve. Because when you are in customer success, you are going to have problems. That's why the team exists, Mm -hmm. right? Like if problems (laughs) never came up, there would be no customer success team at all. They're there to, to keep, you know, getting the customer closer to their goals. And they're also there to help when things don't go as planned. And so I like that you brought that flexibility and creativity up because when I answer this question about my favorite part of customer success, part of my favorite part was when we did face problems, Mm -hmm. you know, that we had to problem solve for. I love that. I love when the team rallied around problems and fixed them. Definitely. So in classroom to boardroom, we do, as you go through the course, start to work on some of these hard skills, which is super fun. We do, we talk about Salesforce. We talk about some of these tools mm-hmm. that, you know, that you really need to know no matter what role you get in an education company or in corporate America these days. But talk to us about some of the hard skills that you use a lot within customer success.
1: So I would say one of the biggest ones I use is really using data to tell a story. So. That really starts with pulling raw data from whatever system. So for example, in my current role, after we do trainings, just like a professional development training, our participants fill out surveys and I need to prove to my customer that the training was successful and that the employees got what they needed out of it. So I need to pull that raw data and we get a lot of it, pull it together, manipulate it into something that is a value add for my customer and that speaks to them. So not only do I need to be able to pull it, I need to remember what the customer cares about. If they care about, you know, employee engagement, I shouldn't be showing them data about something different. So really that is something that is so important to
0: my role. Can I interrupt you there too, Lauren? I think one of the interesting things for me when I worked at eSpark, and this goes with pulling data, we had data scientists. By the way, I say data, she says da- data. <laughs> we're saying the same word. <laughs> it's funny because we're both from the same area. But <laughs> So we had, a, we had data scientists or data scientists who would pull stuff for us for eSpark. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is sometimes when you bring big technology initiatives into schools, the teachers will resist it. Mm -hmm. And it was part of our job at East Park to make the teachers, not make, but allow the teachers to see that it was working. Mm -hmm. And so we might have a check-in meeting and we might have, or be at a professional development and a teacher might say, well, this is not working for my students. It's not working. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. And to be able to have data to pull up and say, well, Tell me why you think it's not working. Well, it's hard. You know, I have to get the iPads out, whatever. They were saying it didn't work. And we could come back and say, well, I understand, like, that's a lot of work, but let's look at your students' growth. Let's look at your classroom. Let's look at the school. Let's look where they've grown and why this is working. And sometimes bringing that data right to them was like, whoa okay, actually, maybe this is working. This is actually helping me. This is making me look good. Look at my Mm student scores, you know? And that was really interesting to be on the opposite side of that, facing teachers who were saying this doesn't work. Me being a former educator saying like, well, let's look at the data actually is working. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So it made me think of that. It was definitely something I had to get used to. What else are you thinking in that hard skills area that has been important to you?
1: Definitely using a CRM. So you might've Others on this podcast might have mentioned this, but customer relationship management system to track all communication. And there's different ones, you know, there's Salesforce, there's HubSpot, but learning to use it is the one part of it, but then committing to use it is the other part of it. Yes. So really making it part of your day-to-day and what, what it does is it tracks all customer communication. So that if we're working with a school district, we know who is reaching out to them, what trainings they've gotten, what products they're using, everything that's going on with that school district, we have a record of it. So we can fully help them and make sure that they're being successful with the, the program or the product.
0: Well, and just to give an example of tracking is you could send an email to a school district to plan professional development dates. And then you just copy that customer relationship management tool that you're using and that email will be tracked within the system. So that way, I mean, there's so many things that can happen within a business in which a client might be handed over to someone else quickly. And then all of that context is right there within that management tool. But I couldn't agree more. Like, you have to be committed to using it. Yes, definitely. (laughs) We've both experienced people who were not, and it was not fun for us to take over (laughs) those customers. (laughs) Any advice you'd give teachers who are looking to make this transition?
1: My biggest piece of advice is to really just put yourself out there and dedicate time and focus on it. That's my biggest piece of advice. Just try and see what happens because you can think about it forever and nothing will happen. But if you put effort into it, something is more than likely to happen. That's my biggest piece of advice. A little more, I guess, specific piece of advice would be when you're editing your resume, and if you're sending a resume to an education company, don't assume that they know all the educational lingo that you know. Their their HR people might have never been teachers so they might not know specific test terms so it might be easier for you to use more general terms for them to understand you know what what you did i'm not sure if that makes sense carrie yeah
0: no that absolutely makes sense so you can use and if you want to use a more specific term you could use a gent like i think you were talking about NWEA which is a test So you could say, you know, raise student test scores, parentheses, NWEA map or whatever by X percent. Yep. But absolutely, it could be a CEO, a CTO. I mean, there's so many people that could be looking at your resume that weren't, they were not teachers, but they do understand growth and they do understand testing. Yes. Yep.
1: And then I would also just say to highlight any leadership roles you've taken outside of just your classroom at your school, if you organize field trips every year, if you are, you know, a team lead or anything like that, highlight that on your resume. That's really, really, it shows a lot to go
0: above and beyond your job responsibilities. And if you don't have those things to put on your resume, make it your goal this year to get those things to put on your resume. Step outside your box. Mm -hmm. Volunteer to lead a PD session at your district. Like start thinking, if you feel there's a hole there, I think Lauren's got great advice here that leadership's going to show through. So start taking steps to to fill that gap in your resume. This is so fun. And (laughs) I could sit here and talk to you forever. But as we wrap up, looking back together on our one year that we worked together, I wish it was longer, but we both, you know, we changed courses close to one another when we left DE. But thinking about that one year working together... Do you have any favorite memories of us working together? I definitely do.
1: First of all, it does not feel like one year that we work together.
0: It seems longer.
1: Yes. Yes. So I think it's so great that we worked together for one year and have stayed in touch for like five. How long? I don't even know how long it's been, but I've three, been stayed- four years. Yeah.
0: yeah so we've like been just yeah. stayed in
1: such close touch. Um, you've given me advice as I've been transferring to new, you know, having getting new bosses, getting new jobs. So I really thank you for that. So appreciated. And I think one of my favorite memories of us together is we worked with a district um, in the Southeast region and we went around and went to visit as many teacher classrooms as we could to surprise them with goodie bags for some of the highest users of the, of discovery education in the district.
0: Yes. And, And
1: it was like a whirlwind of a day. We were driving around like crazy people, trying to get to as many schools as we could, tracking down teachers. We'd never been in the school buildings before. It was just so fun and so funny. And and the teachers loved it. So they loved
0: uh, it. It was like they won like the sweepstakes when we would come in and we had like balloons and a goodie bag and yes. they were so happy. That is actually, and I we have some great pictures that I still use to this day of us on that trip, actually, Lauren. Aww. Uh, and it was super fun because, you know, like we had fun together as people, you know, mm-hmm. like we, I think you and I are both like positive look on the bright side type people. So we had a lot of fun on that trip. It's one of my favorites too, but I'm going to share my favorite memory of us working together and it's actually kind of a sad one, Oh no! but I've shared this publicly on our other E2E podcast that many of you know that I, both my brothers passed away within five years of each other. And my brother Kelly got really sick while we were working together and passed away during my time of us working together. And I think back to how much of a support you were to me during, I mean, technically I was your boss during that time, but talk about having someone rally around you and just be such a support. Like you took on so much of my work You were such a great communicator to the teams about what I was going through. And like you showed up at my brother's memorial service and you coordinated getting us some really special gifts, including a tree that's actually planted in my front yard um, with a little plaque with his name. So it's just like, it's just, you know, we are talking a lot about work and career, but really for me is all these relationships with people like you that I've gained through these jobs, because that to me is the most valuable thing that I've gotten in my career is the people in the relationships. So thanks for being such an amazing support to me during what was such a heartbreaking time.
1: Of course. And I feel the exact same way. We were definitely there for each other throughout that whole year. And and still are today. So that's the most important thing. So I agree. So well, I can't wait to, to connect.
0: I know. And I can't wait to see your career just grow and grow and grow. You know, I'm always here for you no matter what. Thanks for taking their time out of your busy day to be here for the classroom to boardroom students and listeners. You sure are a gem, Lauren Benefico. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Once again, if you are interested in our podcast, make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications when new podcast episodes are released. To you joining me each week for Classroom to Boardroom, welcome to this new podcast. Until next time, my friends, take care.